0: You never know when you just might need an attorney. Picking the right representation is crucial for the outcome of your case. When you go to battle in the courtroom, you want the very best in your corner. You need the advocate to the stars, the professional's professional,
1: the undisputed world heavyweight champion of justice, Stephen P. New if you have been mistreated and abused by a major corporation, if you've been abused by a representative like a doctor at the Veterans Administration Hospital, if you or a member of your family has been the victim of elder abuse in a nursing home, if you have been poisoned by Roundup or by asbestos in your talcum powder, if your entire city's water supply has been poisoned by chemicals left underground, or if you've got any other kind of gripe or grievance that you feel needs redress in the legal system call Stephen P. New newlawoffice.com 888-692-8084 he's representing people from professional wrestlers to just the little people out there like you and me that need some champion of justice to defend their rights in a court of law especially with the American justice system being as fucked up as it is you need somebody that knows this shit inside and out and Stephen P. New if it's one thing he knows inside and out it is shit. I think you mean a courtroom a courtroom full of shit that's what you'll get every time you're in a courtroom you've got a courtroom full of shit you need a shit shoveler to shovel all the shit out of the way and get you the shit you deserve and Stephen p new is the best shit shoveler in the world he will dig you out of whatever hole of shit you're buried in and he will get you the shit that you deserve so that you can go and tell everybody else that they're the shits and you'll be the shit
2: when you seek legal counsel choose Stephen new and his team They'll work together to achieve the best results for your case and support you every step of the way. Our clients,
3: why we do what we do, the Law Office of Steve.
1: House
4: of Kayfabe.
5: I have to deal with the injustice of being told that there is going to be a 14-man battle royal to find out who's going to be the number one contender for the most prestigious world's championship in the sport today, the 10 pounds of gold held by the likes of Harley Race, Ric Flair, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, and the national treasure, and the real world champion, the So I heard a little scuttlebutt about current champions not being able to compete in this battle royal. So I've had a moment to think about it. And as of now, that tag team title match is off. Do you think you're going to drive a wedge between Strictly Business? It ain't going to happen! Consider this off, and you'll see them in the Battle Royal. You're not getting one over on me, Corgan. Strictly Business is here to stay.
1: Welcome to House of Kayfabe, with Brian Reznor and Stephen New.
4: Welcome, ladies
0: and gentlemen, to your favorite podcast, and definitely one of mine, House of Kayfabe. I'm here with Stephen P. New and Stephen. Man, we've got Nick Aldis back here today to tell us some more stuff, and this is where the interview really gets juicy. It is
3: Nick Aldis sharing things that he's never really shared before with the wrestling community, wrestling fans. We are so proud to be presenting sort of a peek behind the curtain
0: at Nick Aldis, his career. And what his plans are in the future. That's right. And we're also going to talk about some plans that maybe didn't come to fruition. And ask the question that everybody wants to ask. Why the fuck are you not in the WWE? We're going to ask him that and so much more, Steve. Absolutely. I think everybody's going to love it. All right, we'll be right back with uh, some Nick Aldis and, and more right here on the House of Kayfabe. House of Kayfabe. This time on Kayfabe Theater, The Rock.
6: Tain us in your Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Kayfabe Theatre. I am your host, Lucius Beauregard, and on today's episode, we drink from the pool of prose offered forth by the most electrifying orator in history, arguably, the great Dwayne the Rock Johnson, in his classic monologue entitled "Penis in Your Anus." <clears throat> Finally, The Rock has come back to New Jersey. Just as sure as The Rock for the very first time stood in this arena and called Kevin Kelly an ugly hermaphrodite, is just as sure as this Sunday The Rock will be at hell in a cell. Now make no mistake, this will be the most brutal match the rock has ever been in the most dangerous match the rock has ever been in the hell in a cell and it doesn't matter Kevin Kelly what you call it whether it's a hell in a cell rage in a cage penis in your anus the only thing that matters is that the rock is going in this Sunday night to do exactly what he does best layeth the smacketh down and get back the rock's WWF title, and the fact of the matter is this is that The Rock knows this Sunday night he has his work cut out for him. The Rock knows he's got five other guys he's got to compete with, and even if The Rock has got to beat Kurt Angle, which means I'm gonna drink a big glass of milk, eat some chocolate chip cookies, and maybe I'll, I'll take three Viagra. Or maybe The Rock has got to face Rikishi, beat Rikishi. I did it for the Rock. I did it for the people. I did it for... all. Oh, you shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Or maybe the Rock has got to beat the Undertaker, the American badass. Beat him so bad that one more he'll raise up. Rest in peace. Or maybe the Rock has got to beat Triple H himself. Which means, ah, uh, he's got to beat the game, ah. Uh, in the middle of the ring, ah. Uh, and he has a two-dollar slut for a wife. Ah, uh, or maybe The Rock has got to beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. Which means I got to get my pickup truck, drink some Steve Weiser's, listen to some Big Street Boys. And that's the bottom line, because the Great One said so. One more thing. This Sunday at Armageddon, The Rock is going to do all he can to win the WWF title, if you smell rock is cooking and scene thank you again for listening i am your host lucius beauregard and this has been kayfabe theater and that's the bottom line because a great one said so
0: we are back here on house of kayfabe and there are a lot of free agents in the water right now And I brought Rich Quick and Steve New back here to talk with me about the people who just recently got their release from the WWE and where we think they're going and why we think they should go there. Gentlemen, Steve New, I'm going to talk to you first. Were you surprised at all these releases in the last uh, couple months? Yeah, I really was because if
3: the WWE product is stagnant, I don't think that who
0: was released is the reason for that stagnation. I agree with that completely. Now the the first uh the first few that we uh that, that we seen get released, like uh, like Andrade and Lars Sullivan and, and th- those folks, I mean Andrade, did you see Andrade is now in Triple A. Uh, did you guys right. hear that? And he asked for his release, which I I view Andrade as being a little different. Andrade asked for his release. Yeah, he did, and and, and we could totally tell why. Even though he was the star of Raw for like 6 weeks. I mean you have to give him that. They had
7: him on like three segments a night for 6 weeks with Selena Vega. But but were you his lawyer because there was no 90-day compete like non-compete clause?
0: Yeah, how did he pull that? He's outside the United States. Well, no, they they announced that he didn't have a 90 90-day. A 90 like he he's, Well, I mean that can be negotiated, but my, <laughs> my thinking is he told them
3: I'm going to go to Mexico and compete. Can you guys relieve me of my no compete clause? And probably the way it went was their lawyers said, yeah, so long as you're competing outside the continental United States, we won't enforce the no compete.
0: And then he was like, I'm going to start a feud with Kenny Omega in the United States. And we're going to wrestle in Mexico until I can go to AEW." probably smart as but shit. I mean, that's the kind of, Legal machinations that I would
3: suppose went on there.
0: I'm going to start at my first shocker, uh, Samoa Joe. They released Samoa Joe. He was just getting really good at commentary. I feel like he was kind of feeling the macho man thing where he he didn't think it was time for him to do commentary and he still wants to be in the ring. And maybe that had a lot to do with him actually being released. I'm, I'm not sure. But this guy... What what happens with Samoa Joe? Uh, there's been rumors that there's a possibility of CM Punk wanting to wrestle Samoa Joe. First time I've heard CM Punk wants to wrestle anybody for any reason. So I, I'm kind of excited about that. Maybe it's all bullshit. I try not to get excited about Samoa Joe now, or not Samoa Joe, but CM Punk, because CM Punk constantly disappoints me. But Samoa Joe never has. So my question is, do we see Samoa Joe show up in AEW, or are we going to see him return to Impact? I wouldn't bring him to AEW if I'm Tony Khan. we have already got a bunch of guys long
3: in the tooth, late 40s, early 50s. There's no way, if I'm Tony Khan, I bring Samoa Joe in.
7: Rich Quick? Uh, there's a good, I agree with Steve, uh, no to AEW. Yes, he could easily go back to Impact, be a big star there in his career there. But if you really wanted to see him punk match, I think that the best bet would be Ring of Honor. I think both of them. If you gave, if you had somebody that was willing to put up a healthy enough payday, like a, like this could be Ring of Honor's WrestleMania one. Either it wins or it loses. Like this is a thing. You bet all your money on the Samoa Joe CM Punk match in Ring of Honor. Okay, so, I think that's where you go. So
0: here's uh, here's two thoughts. One is can Impact. Afford Joe? Two is can ROH afford Joe and CM Punk? Three is why is Samoa Joe too old to go to AEW when right now both of you would shake your head and agree to AJ Styles going to AEW, but he's 43. Samoa Joe's 42. So AJ's in better, a whole lot better shape than Joe. Well, d- visually, yes, but no, and, not just and
7: visually. You're well, right. and AJ is going to automatically be positioned as a top guy. Joe will be feuding with Taz. Yeah, he'll be well, in a match Miro. with Miro. Yeah, <laughs> he, you know what I mean. He'll so, have a video
0: game match with Miro and and Kip Sabin. So, where would you? Do, what do you do with this guy? I mean, obviously, if he's not going to go to AEW, then then you want to bring him to Impact, right? No, Did I said taking
7: to Ring of Honor.
3: Ring of Honor, NWA. Billy Corgan can afford to bring him to
0: the NWA and let him challenge Nick Aldis. That would be one hell of a program. Now let's talk about three names together: Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, and Mickey James. That those three names right there, and, and we'll even add Chelsea Green to that. So, so you add Chelsea Green, you got four females who could totally revive and make the, well, not revive. It never vived to begin with the, the AEW women's division. They they could make that division. Do you agree, Steve? The Iconics could.
3: And I don't know whether AEW their poor women's division is so tough right now. I don't know that you could bring in a tag team and, and there aren't enough decent women wrestling in AEW to have a tag team women's division in AEW. almost no. don't have a women's division. I think so, you could do Peyton
0: um, Royce and Billy Kay as a manager wrestler combo, like Billy Kay being the manager to Peyton Royce, like her cheerleader. I think that you could do that really well in, maybe. Uh, in AEW. But uh, I see those two as being money. Um,
3: Mickey, I, I, I don't, I don't know why you've got Camille out there with Nick Aldis instead of Mickey, in the NWA. Uh, everybody knows they're a husband wife team. Um, their money, uh, Chelsea Green. Don't know where that's going.
0: Yeah, but uh, either way, any of the uh, any of the companies could pick up any of the four of these girls and do something awesome in their women's division. So I, I'm really. I really just hope that Peyton Royce gets a job somewhere. That's, that's my main my main
7: hope. Well, I would think that Peyton Royce, because she is married to whom? Sean Spears.: That's correct. I feel she could probably end up in the in AEW. I hope so. Billy Kay, bless her heart. I don't know where. Uh, but she should end up someplace because she is very, very good. You know, Mickey James, as Steve said, of course, with Nick Alvis. That'd be a great Camille and Mickey James match. That'd be good. Uh, Obviously Mickey wins on that one, but uh, you know, Chelsea green, maybe go back to impact, do your old gimmick. That would be great. People would pop to see that old gimmick. Yeah. That is a great place for her to go.
0: Now this next guy, I don't have a great place for him to go except for on the line, working a forklift uh, somewhere in the country, possibly Pittsburgh, um, Tucker Knight, he was released. And of course he was Otis's tag team partner. And I kind of predicted this was going to happen because I was thinking like when they split Otis and Tucker, what the fuck are you going to do with Tucker? Like, what can you do with Tucker at that point? Now, Otis, you could do a lot of stuff with Otis. I mean, you could even stick him with, uh, you know, with with Chad Gable and and make some weird tag team that no one gets. You almost said Shorty G, didn't you? No, I will never call him that. But, but Tucker Knight was released, and I honestly don't think that he can make a difference anywhere really at all. Maybe, maybe in a local company somewhere that needs a little pop. Why wouldn't you turn him loose? Turn him loose on what? On the on the yard with a forklift? I, I do with Tucker
3: exactly what I just told you guys we would do to revive the wrestling industry. Okay, well, if, if I'm, I'm the heads definitely... of one of those companies, if I'm the heads of one of those companies, I give him eight minutes with a guy that I know can go, give him the mic a few times, and if he makes it, he makes it. If he doesn't, Sir, yeah, Steve News in Beckley on August the yeah. 7th called Stephen P. New. Steve, see if you can get on the show,
0: Steve News' plan for reviving professional wrestling would send Tucker Knight directly to the pipe yard with a forklift for sure. So now, we'll, <laughs> let's move to Callisto. How, how do you know?
3: How do you know, Brian Resner? Because you've never seen him unscripted with a microphone, you you've never I, seen him be told. Go eight minutes against Cesaro, and you're going to put him over.
0: You know what I have done though. I have seen it. I've seen it several times, and you know what Tucker does not have it. And I know that it. it it's just it. It's literally the lack of it runs out his fucking ears. Um, and so that's why I, I'm not a Tucker believer. But uh, Callisto, he's next on our list. And he's always been the generic uh, Ray Mysterio to me. Um, I don't know what you do with this guy. My guess is he goes back and works Mexico. I think that might be the easiest thing for him. I don't know that you can get a character like Callisto over in another company off of the fame of Callisto because Callisto will not be there. So it's not going to be like Callisto. It's going to be somebody else. And, and it's, it's double hard to get
7: over, I think, as a mask guy who just lost their gimmick. Look, I believe that Kal- or, or whoever he will be now, I should know his name. Derek Jones would know his name. Probably. but I think MLW would be a good place for Callisto. Uh, you know, I mean, he's never going to be a top top guy, but he could be the best luchador on your show. Yep. Yeah. for sure. Definitely.
0: So so, Callisto. And he wouldn't even need the Callisto.
3: I mean, smart marks like us, we'd know it was Callisto.
7: You know, he could have a new Lucha persona. Yeah. Or like, what if Lucha Underground comes back? I've I've heard rumblings of that.
0: That's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I, I don't think that Callisto's
7: star. So hey, here's what we're going to do, brother. We're going to put Tucker Knight in a mask. And we're going to give him a Lucha gimmick and put him on Lucha Underground. That's what we're going to do, kid.
0: Yeah. We're going to call him the forklift. Um, so next up on the list is Close some. Forkliftos. Next up on the list is Wesley Blake. Wesley Blake was a part of the controversial forgotten Sun stable. Um, they, they didn't really do anything for me. I know Steve Cutler had been released earlier in February and, and now, Wesley Blake, I'm glad that uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that, that the other guy kept his job Riker or Jason Riker: Jackson Jackson Riker, Jackson Riker, yeah. Jackson. Riker
7: really? Jackson Riker kept he, he was the reason that they got shelved, and then you're happy he kept his job.: Well, the reason why I'm happy is because
0: gunner, well you know what he was an impact that dude, I know he punched me in the face one time. Well, you know, he's a super freaking nice guy, and I know that we don't agree politically. So nice he but he's a super freaking nice guy. I met him at Wrestlecade a few years back, and and I really enjoyed uh, my conversation with him. So I'm I'm glad he kept a job on a personal level. I, th- I think that he's yeah. a, he's a cool guy. And I,
7: I, I like. Well, that. I heard him call a little girl a fucking rat.
0: All right, so <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> okay so well wesley blake steve cutler they both get the axe i don't feel like they were really an addition to anything to you guys
7: look i always liked wesley blake or as he may be known when he goes to aew the former boyfriend of alexa bliss because that's what they did to like poor bailey's boyfriend they just went ahead and went oh yeah you used to be engaged to somebody more famous than you there you go here's qt anyway uh <laughs> I always liked Wesley Blake and I thought he had a lot of potential. Therefore, I think he would be a great addition to the NWA. I think if you put him with Nick Aldis's crew that he had there, uh I th- yeah, I think he would be a better fit than uh whatever Charlotte's ex husband, Andrade? No, ex-husband, oh, no future husband. Oh,
0: br- uh, br- uh, what's his name? Br- um Brax, yeah, that or, guy.
7: Brax. Or,
0: is that what his name is? No,
7: not. No. Oh, see, that's we've, we've said it all right there. Wesley Blake would be a better fit than um, Bram, Bram. 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 There that's, he goes. There it
0: is. Bram. Yes.
7: We took the scenic route there, baby,
0: but we got there. <laughs> okay. So the last one on our list of people who got released really disappointed me for a few different reasons, but Bo Dallas. And I am one to say I still believe I have always believed and I still think that Bo Dallas's heel run in NXT was absolutely brilliant. And if they would have done that on the main roster, he would be in the main event right now and he would be a a major star, probably a bigger star than his brother. Another reason why this upset me was because I had heard the rumors of possibly him being worked into the Bray Wyatt thing. And I liked the idea of that, but now he is released. So, uh, and before I ask you guys what you think about this and where you think he should go, the way I think this should go is I really hope that this is a lie. And they put this out here to say Bo Dallas is released for storyline purposes to bring him into this Bray Wyatt thing so that we'll never expect him. That's what I would like to see happen. That is not what I think is happening. So don't think that I think that that's happening, but that would be wonderful if it was in fact happening. And I guess technically it could, but what do you think the future holds for Bo Dallas? Start with you, Steve P. New.
3: I see you, you put him under a mask and call him something stupid in another company. Like I've seen it suggested on the internet, the friend, I think you put him in a stupid mask of some kind and just start letting him blow all over, all
0: all over your, all your talent. So you do a parody of Bray Wyatt. Yeah. The friend.
7: Yeah. Interesting. Or, or, well, someone here is not a believer.
0: Apparently. (laughs) Apparently, because there is no way I'd do that to Bo. And I feel like,
3: no, I'm, I'm kind of being facetious. I mean, Uh, he's wrestling royalty. He is. He is. At some point, and you guys know I love factions. AEW is wearing me out with factions right now. Goodness gracious. Are you telling me that the the Henning Kid and get Bo Dallas, whatever his real name is, whether it's Wyndham or Rotunda, whatever it is, it's something Rotunda. And something like with the Von Ericks. Are you telling me that that's not an awesome faction in MLW to take on you know, the, the Mexican factions and the a Contra unit and this, that. That's a kick ass bunch of Southern rednecks right there.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's a really, I mean, it's a legacy group. You know, it's yeah, a, it's a, absolutely. It's a leg. I'm going to tell Court Bauer I want to manage that
3: group. Uh, the Von Erich boys, uh, Kurt Hennig's boy, and uh,
7: Bo Dallas. Well, next time you're talking to Court Bauer, under legacy, what is the name of your group? Legacy World Class Inc. World Class Inc. Okay. Yeah. All right. But, yes, you'll be wonderful as an on-air talent managing those gentlemen. <laughs> well, wonderful. Next time wonderful. you're talking
0: to Kurt Bauer, I think that you should bring up the fact that his first world heavyweight champion, Shane Douglas, is totally available for bookings.
3: <laughs> Will do.
0: Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that because I really would love to see Shane Douglas come back to MLW for in some type of role, even if it was just for a one-off, or you know, if, if it was a, for a more permanent role. He would be a great commissioner. He would be a great manager. Here. They're going to be in Philly July 10th. I think Shane needs to go up there. That's a perfect opportunity. I yep. think that it would be uh, it would be great for all involved. And I'm really excited about MLW. But we have talked about all these released people and where they should go. And we will be back right here on the House of K-Fabe. House of k
3: Hey there, everybody. This is Stephen P. New from the House of Kayfabe. And I just want to tell you that uh, in addition to being a co-host on House of Kayfabe, I am in fact a lawyer licensed to practice law in the state of West Virginia and other states by special permission. My law office is at newtaylorlaw.com. We handle all types of of personal injury matters, discrimination, wrongful death cases, and do certain cases outside of the state of West Virginia and the Commonwealth of Kentucky uh, just based upon uh, selectivity and what that case may be. I have cases right now in probably nine to ten different states. We get admitted what's called pro hoc VICE by special permission to practice in other states. So if you or a loved one have need of a lawyer, give us a shout at 304-250-6017 or or at www.newtaylorlaw.com. Let us see if we can help you on the law firm side of the house. And also, for those of you who may not know, I am also co-owner of a sports agency. That's called New Legacy Sports. And we just recently opened a professional wrestling wing of that. We have done great work on behalf of such super superstars as Midnight Express, and Jim Cornette, Shane Douglas, Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, Joey Mercury, Kelly Klein, Sonny, the Rock and Roll Express, and the Heat Seekers, among others. Uh that wing of our sports agency just keeps growing. And right now we have uh training for individuals who are trying to make it in the National Football League, Canadian Football League. Or the XFL when the rock gets it going. So if you need to get in touch with me, just give me a call at the office 304 250 6017. Thank you guys so
7: much.
8: K Fabe
7: Radio.
6: And we're back
7: here on WWKR K Fabe Radio, the only radio station devoted solely to music about. For and by professional wrestlers. I am your host, Rich Quick, broadcasting all the way from Copenhagen to Colwood. Today's show is brought to you by Florida Man Family Dentistry. Have your tooth pulled by an alligator. Also, brought to you by Jack in the Box, adult porn store. Come for the videos, stay for the awkward eye contact with other customers. Use promo code Resner for 20% off. Every purchase gets... An autographed picture of Ricky Martin. Our next song is up for debate. Literally.
6: See, I have given these two guys a lot of grief, and I am genuinely curious. Is this good? Let us know. We want to hear from you. So find us on Twitter at HKFabe or TheRichQuick, and let us know. So here it is. This is Leo Rush and Enzo with Monday Night Heat. Push me to the edge, never gave a fuck about nothing that I said. Now I'm making
4: profits in these streets, no red cup. I've been going hard and I swear that I won't let up. Fuck a final match, yeah, you know that I'm back. Got a couple haters, so we gotta get the strap. Push me to the edge, and yeah, I'm on fire. I won't lie, stop until I find ya. You. you fucked up once, now you're gonna die, yo. You're gonna die.
1: Don't mean it, blur the line. Now you can't read it between it. They call me a head turner,
8: bread or an ice or cold tear turner. You in my house, coming with a burn. This the reason
4: why your rains down. Got a cup of haters now. I'm fifty NXT and I'm a certified G. This the remix, rising like a phoenix. Told me I'm a star, but I know that you don't mean it. Yeah, we caught some heat, but I think we're pretty decent. Yeah, I think we're pretty decent I am not alone, I got Enzo in the back
6: We some real ones, certified, that's facts I am fed up, but I'm trying to
4: relax Had to get a bow with my foot up on the deck String me like a puppet, all that shit is in the pretense Used to hold me down, now I party every weekend Did what I could, but you had to find a reason M-O-T-H, don't try to pretend Out for revenge, forming an allegiance Had to level up, can you hear me? Better than you ever was, I ain't move a lot. Put that on my life, man, I promise you don't measure up. Me and Enzo about to blow the whole world up. Push me, Push me to the ledger, I'm, I'm on fire. fire. I will not stop until I find you
0: of kayfabe and we are about to check back in with the real world heavyweight champion the national treasure nick aldis that's right the nwa world heavyweight champion stopped in with us here and this is the second part of this two-part interview with nick aldis on the house of kayfabe we join this already in progress okay so i want to i want to go back to what we were talking about with uh, with impact or tna TNA at the time impact now but you were talking about four different types of management was going through there at, at all times like a revolving door so which one of those managers do you think did the best job with uh, with TNA That's that's hard to say
5: because I I, I don't I yeah, you know you, those guys were all I'm talking about people who are predominantly in charge of creative
0: Right that's what I'm talking that's about too on television Um, Who was the best at that? Well, I know as far as numbers go, Vince Russo would be the best because he had the highest numbers as far as ratings go, right? Yeah. To me, I I felt like
5: overall it probably was better when Jeff was involved. So when it was sort of – if it was Vince with Jeff – Filtering it from a wrestling point of view, so you had that sort of mem- like Jeff with that sort of Memphis Southern wrestling kind of influence, and then Vince wanting to be more sort of uh, edgy, kind of you know uh, car crash TV sort of thing. And you need a little bit of that, you know, like you 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 do, you do need a bit of that influence for television, especially when and and you know you're serving a different master when your your primary revenue is is your television deal and i always make this i always make this point when people talk about wwe and AEW with comparison to what we do so it's like we're so we have totally different business models because their number one master is to serve their television ratings. so they have to hotshot stuff and keep things moving quick you know you think they don't know that it would be better to slow burn some of this and and draw it out of course they do but they have to you know <laughs> They they have to maintain a certain thing. Anyway, um, I I mean, for me, I thought that when I came in in 2009, I felt like TNA was firing on all cylinders. Uh, You had a really good blend of established names and veterans and -and up-and-coming talent, and you had original sort of – but. top guys. You had like beer money and AJ and Joe and you know, who were, who were ready. They were top guys. Um, but you had a huge, uh, I mean, if you look, go back and look at that roster that I joined in 2009, I mean, it's, yeah. it's an unbelievable roster stacked. Yeah. And, um, the company was profitable and house shows were still not great. They, they never got house shows, right? They never, you know, they never really, they never really figured out how to promote live events properly, but, uh, and I think that there was a period where with with Hogan and Eric after the initial like when they first came in it was it was it was a bit of I thought it was a bit of a disaster to be honest. It was a bit like they tried to change everything and and I felt like the the, the company lost a lot of momentum um, but once they sort of settled in and they started to realize and pay a bit more attention to what they had, as opposed to just going, "Hey, we need to bring in like some more guys from WWE," and you know, we need to throw all this at the wall. Once they started looking at who they actually had and like "Let's do," you know, "Let's kind of let's build on this." It, I thought that probably 2012 and 2013 was was probably uh, the strongest. I mean, I say that with bias, because obviously, 2013, I got got a huge push and sort of ascended to the top of the card. But it was like, you know, it was, it, there was a we had stars, and we had it was kind of back to that thing of we had Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle and Sting, and you know, and, and Joe and stuff on top. But then we had this really strong group of guys who were pushing up middle like me, and then getting pushed, you know, and then eventually by the end of the year, I got pushed right through to the you know, to the main event to the top of the card. And there was a ton of guys behind us, like it was. You know, we had that. It was there was a hungry sort of consistency, and and um, and so I mean, I, I think when it, again, like like most things, it's when you, you find people somewhere in the middle. Like Bruce was in charge for some of that time, but Eric was in charge for some of it too, and Eric was still working there as a you know. So it's kind of like, and I think at some point during that year was when Bruce was out and Eric came in. You know, so it's like I would say that. Eric, when he when he um, when he sort of committed to TNA as opposed to just sort of coming in and trying to change everything, once he started really trying to embrace somebody what he had, I thought Eric did, a, did an okay job. Um, but yeah. it was, the, the, the 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 problem was not, not ever really who was the booker; it was it was always the sort of it was the inconsistency it was the, you can't keep changing everything like the, you lose the trust of the audience when you do that you can't like change the day of the show change the logo change the ring change the time you know change the name it was like look they were looking for a lot of
7: quick fixes
0: so you're talking about 2013 when you go into the 2012 2013 range of your career we have seen the new main event mafia and with the new main event mafia you got to be in a force in a in a four man team with Kurt Angle, Sting, and Samoa Joe, but this leads to you getting to to defeat Sting at Bound for Glory. This is uh, this has got to be at this point one of the biggest moments of your career.
5: Oh, without question, no, it was it was um, you know I, Sting. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, out of everyone who has obviously played a role in in my career. I mean, how Sting is Sting is certainly the most Sort of uh, significant and unusual, I guess, is a way to, to put it. Like Sting had no reason to to do it, but, you know, other than he believed in me and wanted to. You know, he right from the sure
3: beginning, he did. did you, what you said about Harley Race? What did you say about Harley Race? He took bumps for folks. He put younger talent over when sure. he didn't have to. You know, Harley Race could have he could have politicized the NWA title a little bit more and hung on to it a little bit longer and said, Hey, you know, I am not going to job to this kid flair at Starcade 1983. Uh, but I think Sting is a fan of the sport. He understands his role in it, yeah. and, which is, as you know, at a certain point, the old lines, uh, you, you've got to put the younger talent over, uh, for there to be a future of this business.
5: Yeah, yeah, no, and, and and that is absolutely true, and and uh, St- Steve, I mean, right from the beginning, you know, the, the thing that gave me a shot in the arm in 2009, even, when we were doing the British Invasion, was that I randomly got booked to wrestle Sting in a TV main event in a singles match, like, Sting had had a pay-per-view match where I think he had, he had put over Joe, actually, and so typical kind of booking 101, the next episode of TV, they wanted to give Sting a win to sort of, you know, get him back on track or whatever. And all I can assume is that they just kind of said, we need to give you a good win over someone. Who do you want to do it with? Or maybe the discussion came up and maybe he said, I don't know, but it seemed very random for it to be me. I was was in part of a tag team. So it was kind of like, I always got the feeling that Sting, you know, must have specifically said, give me that kid. Because right from the beginning, when I had that match, I remember showing up that day and just sort of being like, "Wait, me? <laughs> why, why? Why?" You know. And Sting sat down with me right away and was just like, I "Really, really thinks, and I was, what do you want to do?" And I'm going to let you, he, Sting. I mean, I can't believe it when I think back to it now. It's really crazy. I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have at the time. But I was 22 years old then, and Sting was like, "You called match. Now you, you, put it, you know." What do you want to do out there? Kind of. I kind of went. Well, Steve, I, I think I'd like to just (laughs) take all your signature stuff. You know, I said. I think that's what got me over with him was that he, he. I knew what my role was that day. Like, this ain't about me. You know, for me, just being in there is really good for me at this point. I don't need to get my shit in. (laughs) I know what this is about, right? So, I go out there and I'm just like, I just. Completely play to all his strengths. I take the big hip lock out of the corner, the drop kick, you know, the, 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 you know, obviously the, the Scorpion at the end. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm feeding him just like Flair would have done. Very sort of traditionally, like very sort of like, just when you think he's finished bumping, I'll take one more bump, you know. And, and it was like, and I, you know, had a very simple match, but like came out of the end, you know, tapped the Scorpion right in the middle, place place popped and you know everyone went home happy and I came back and Cornette was there and that was the first time like Cornette was the agent actually. And Jimmy he was not particularly interested in me at that point in time. And that was the first time where Jimmy had been like
1: god damn
5: you know like that was great you know like uh, you know so i think with a lot of those then with a lot of the older guys i think they started to so, sort that kind of earned me some kudos with them because that was the first day nash really took a liking to me too you know nash came up to say i saw you match with steve good shit you know like you ever need anything you can talk to me and you know it just kind of built me up that way so i think that kind of carried on from that like you know i earned some i earned some respect with kurt and you know, seeing Kev and then obviously Joe and stuff like that. So I think I always thought that that whole thing was really a kind of a cumulative effect of all those things. And I'd put my time in and graft it, you know?
0: All right. So when we're talking about uh, this, this time period, it, it's not very far after this in November of 2013 is when we see the TNA world heavyweight championship get vacated. We've got the tournament going on and you go all the way through, ended up beating Jeff Hardy at the end to win the TNA world heavyweight championship. And, now this is your first world title. This is this is got to be another moment. Like not very long after you beat Sting, now you're the world champion. You're you're on cloud nine here. You've got to be yes and no. Um, by that point,
5: I'd already started to understand and experience a lot of the 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 rougher side of it with with the politics and and the sort of shark infested waters. You know, uh, like I feel like other the other top guys in the company were probably privy to their plan to sort of go all the way with me before I was, because with certain guys in the dressing room, it was like guys who had always been very helpful to me. And, and you know, I always been one of the boys and you know, didn't like I stood up for myself, but it wasn't like I I was, you know, I never thought of myself as as I knew I knew my place, especially in the packing order in the dressing room and stuff. Uh, and it was suddenly I found myself just some of these guys who would always uh, I'd always sort of looked up to were suddenly like they, they, their whole demeanor changed with me. and suddenly there was like there would be heat for this or some sort of issue with that, or they'd be kind of staring apart about something. and And I just remember thinking, oh, I see. I, I know what time it is. like because now I'm now I'm it, it was fine when I was here, but now I'm here. Now now is a problem.
0: Your heroes became your peers at that point, well, the rivals in their mind not 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 in
5: my mind, but I think in some of their minds, you know everything was fine until until uh, until they thought I was sort of in line to sort of quote unquote take their spot you know right. and uh, so suddenly there was you know and I, and I just um and I was young, I was I did, you know so immature, i was twenty six like I was just like. So I didn't know how to handle a lot of that. So I was just sort of, you know, was probably more emotional than I needed to be and became a bit defiant, a bit sort of uh, reactive. And um, so even by the time, like, take the Sting match, for example, I was like, me and Sting both wanted to just do the very, you know, st- first of all, clearly with the way that that angle was set up, it was kind of a pass the torch kind of angle. And then we get to the pay-per-view that day and they go, oh, you know, Sting over. So... I'm like, okay. And see, and sting was just like, what? No, 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 no. Like, why would you, do? you know, sting was the one who was like, no, we're not doing No, We're changing that. Like I'm tapping out in the middle to the clover leaf. Like, and that's what we've built this thing up to do. Like, don't, don't, you know, don't back out now. Um, so there was just a lot of that, you know, and TNA were sort of known for that. They, would, they were, they would get guys all the way to the, to the edge and then wouldn't pull the trigger. Um, mm. And again, everything, you know, everything because of Steve Borden, you know, Sting's the what he says, no, nope, like, we're going all the way, pulling the trigger with this guy. So even that is like another thing that it's it's good, but it also earns you heat because it's like wrestling office people are always very insecure. They're very, they're like they're Jerry Krauses, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're like, it's not players that make like the team and management, you know? So suddenly it's like, suddenly they feel like you've you, did, you know, they've been challenged. So then it's like, okay, you can beat Sting, but at the end, you know, you should disrespect him. And it was like, uh, you know, why? Like, that's not the moment for this, you know? And it's like,
7: there was always, it, you know what I mean? It was
5: just always little things like that where it was kind of like, I don't feel like this is about business. This is about, this is proven a point, you know? This is about whose dick's the biggest, you know, like right. who, who's in charge. And so it was always kind of like, that's when it was, that was the sort of the dawn of when Twitter really started playing too much of a role in booking and stuff too. You know, they really started worrying about what people on Twitter were saying all the time. And you see that now with WWE, with same, same problem. you know, but it was like, I remember in, in you know, 2013, just like TNA, they were obsessed with what people were saying on Twitter, you know, and it was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a you know, it's, it's a, it's an echo chamber. It's a part, it's part of the, it's only a small part of the audience, you know, and you can't let them dictate how you do everything, but that's what led... And I firmly believe that that, that sort of abusive relationship between wrestling and wrestling Twitter <laughs> is what led to this sort of 50-50 booking that you see now, and everyone's the same, no one's really no one's special, because it's this constant of, like... You can't push anyone because the second you push someone, oh, you're burying so-and-so. Why don't you give so-and-so a chance? And then you start giving them a chance, and they go, oh, you know, stop shoving him down our throat. You know, they give us this guy. You know, it's, it's all just control. It's, they just want to feel like they're in control. So then suddenly it's like, turn on the show, and half the people on the fucking roster have been the world champion. Okay, well, who, who gives a shit, you know, what's, what's special about the world title, and if half the guys on the roster have been able to have it.
0: Right.
5: But, but anyway, it, it was kind of like... I just felt like with me, it was, even though they did quote unquote pull the trigger in the sense that they did go all the way with me and I did get the title, they still didn't really pull the trigger. It was kind of like, uh, you know, it was kind of win with an asterisk, you know, it was always, oh, and then, you know, it was always like, oh, then I had to turn heel, you know, even though I had a baby face push the whole year. It's like, I remember saying to him, why would the title on me and have me turn heel a month before we go to the
0: uk yeah like that makes no sense
5: i could have won the title in the uk and it could have been huge like i said shit i still could i could have turned i could have won the title on the first night in the uk and then turned heel on the second night so you would, could have got the biggest baby face reaction and the biggest heel reaction yeah but of course there were wrestlers at that time who were also in the booking meetings so of course they don't want that you know, so no, no, no. I think he should win the title in Orlando.
6: You know, <laughs> you know
5: of, course you, well, of course you do. You know, of course you want that to happen. Yeah, you, know, it, you don't want me to get the biggest reaction on the, you know, in the company's history. Like, of course you don't want that. And I'm not saying it would have been me. It would have just been the occasion. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But like, if, I'd, it just if, I'd,
5: I'd, if I'd won, I just made sense, I I could have won the title in Manchester and then turned heel in London and joined forces with Dixie. And it would have been
0: huge heat. It would have been massive. Yeah. But it's again, it's like no, no, no. We won't do that. So like, I'm, I'm, am really gathering that you had a sour taste for TNA, even though you were the world champion, even though you're getting pushed. You've got a sour taste for it. So that kind of brings up my next question: is how does the, the transformation from TNA to Global Force Wrestling come about? Because um, obviously you were, you were sick of TNA.
5: Well, well, they were sick of me too. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, we were sick of each other. And it was like, well, first of all, the big thing that happened with TNA was they lost a Spike TV deal. So they lost a huge part of their revenue. So I knew, and so did a lot of people, knew that when our contracts came up, there was no way they were going to match the money that they had done before. So I'm probably the first guy in history, I don't know, maybe not, but probably the first guy in TNA history to be the world champion and be saying to my buddies like behind the scenes, like, I'm not when my contract's up, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, yeah, it's something you
0: should, don't always hear. I
5: already knew. I was just like, there's, the one thing I will say, like, even though my title run with DNA was 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 a disaster, like, I was glad to be far away from it all when all of that shit went down with with Spike and then Destination America and stuff because I didn't get any of that stink on me. And you know, at least then no one could be like, oh, look what happened when you were the champion. Because I can look back at the numbers when I was world champion. And I pulled the numbers up. I pulled the house show attendances up. So it was kind of like, all right, cool, man. Good luck. Um, <laughs> so, you know. But, um, yeah, it was really just, I knew that they weren't going to pay me what they'd been paying me. And at this point, I had done everything I could do. I'd been the world champion. And, you know, most of the guys that I really wanted to work with were gone by then. Like, you know, AJ had gone. Uh, I think Jeff was still there, Jeff Hardy. I'd got to work with Jeff some. But, you know, Joe was leaving and, you know, I was a guy like seeing had gone and stuff like that. So I was sort of starting to go, I want to move forward, you know, make progress in my career. Because still, I was still in the 27 or 28 or whatever. So I was sort of like, okay, am I going to just, am I just going to accept that this is, as, this is as high as I can go? Or am I going to, you know, take a leap of faith? And that's kind of how I decided to move on.
0: So how did, uh, you know, Global Force Wrestling had this huge push behind it, it and all this hype and it was just a flash in the pan. Why, why do you think that was? Uh,
5: I think it's probably, probably a combination of uh, lack of funding and Jeff's own, you know, personal issues that he was dealing with at that time. You know, I think obviously now people are aware that he had some alcohol issues and, you know, went to rehab and stuff like that. And I think that, that you know, that he was kind of in the, he was in the midst of that, um, which I didn't realize at the beginning, but became more aware of, as, uh, you know, as we got into it. And look, I, I owe Jeff another. He's another guy that I owe a great deal to because after after I sort of settled in at TNA and they kind of I wasn't the shiny new toy anymore, you know, I could have just fallen by the wayside like a lot of guys did, you know, that they would push for a little while and then give up on and they just sat around doing nothing. And Jeff was one of the guys who was like, mm, this kid. There's more. There's more to this kid than that, you know. And he was the one who like took me to India to sort of headline on, you know, the the Rink of King shows, and told me flat out like, I want to give you a chance to be a top guy, so that you can kind of get some experience, you know, carrying a show kind of thing. And and then we're going to come back and we're going to show these motherfuckers like that you, you know that you can do it. You know, Jeff was a real coach for me. is real so like I when he when he came to me, he knew I was he knew I was finishing up he had been well aware of like how I had been sort of given the runaround around at TNA. I mean, you know, I don't want to name names, but a lot of guys at TNA who were really well respected veterans, not just wrestlers, but respected veterans of the business, like in different areas of the company would come to me and say, I can't believe how they're fucking treating you. You know what I mean? Like, I can't believe that they're wasting you like this. I can't believe that this, like, you know, I can't believe that they're doing you dirty like this. You know, like I, I wish, you know, it, talking like even upper upper management, you know, it would be, would be like, I can't believe that this is how you're being treated. And like, you know, I'm so sorry about, anyway, so Jeff was very privy to how things were going. So he was kind of like, you know, Jeff, he's a wheeler dealer, you know, he, he was like, buddy, you know, boy, when we finish up here, like, let's talk and let's go, you know, let's, let's do something. So, and look, it, it was a flash in the pan, and it's a shame because I felt like it had had a real potential every minute, but, you know, there's a lot of those in the wrestling business, trust
0: me. Yeah, so after this crashes and burns, GFW's no more, you you go back to England for a little bit, and then you end up in the NWA. So I didn't go back to England. You didn't go back to England to the Fight Factory and have a well, match with Kip I mean, Sabian? I went and
5: did independent shows and stuff, yeah, but I mean, I was... Well, that was uh, the first
0: time you'd been back in England, like, Wrestling for independence in a long time, right?
5: Um, I guess. I mean, uh, I ran some. Jeff and I promoted UK Global Force shows. They oh. were probably the they were the probably the most well attended shows that that we had actually because we you know, mm. was in my hometown and we sold that place out and. We did some, you know, we did some. Pretty, we did a show in London that was really good and stuff like that. But well,
3: now come on, champ. I gotta call you on that BS. You said you grew up in a town of a thousand people. That's like mine. No, I, I did. Yeah, I
5: did. I did a, you know, did a show. It's like my when my
3: dad told my brother, "Hey, son, your girlfriend slept with hey, hey, every guy show. in town," oh, and he I, said I it's not
5: a very big town, Dad. I did a show in my hometown, and we did a show in London, and we did a show in a few other places. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, just no, it, it, but um, uh, he. he I was truly, I was sort of like, I was seeing the way the business was shaking out and and changing. And I wasn't really sure where I was going to fit because everything seemed to be kind of going towards this, you know, like we were talking about before, this sort of very high spot choreographed kind of, you know, Japanese influenced style. and, And I was just like, well, I don't do that. Like, you know, that's, that's not me. That's not what I do. And, um, so I was kind of struggling to see where I was gonna fit in the industry and I was kind of having a real it's been it's been it's been my full-time occupation for my entire adult life and I was sort of at this crossroads where I was starting to go do I start thinking about doing something else you know and that's sort of when that's when um, David contacted me about the NWA
0: So what's it like working with Billy Corgan Billy is he he has so much love for
5: the wrestling business um, as a fan, but he has a genuine sort of desire to succeed in it as as an entrepreneur, which is kind of a a cool combination because there's very little van doing with the NWA. Like, sure, we all have, like, there's a little bit of vanity in all of it. You know, whenever you do any of this stuff, like everyone wants this, you know, some of it is like when I wrestled Ricky Morton on that episode of power, that was for me. You know, I like right. I didn't I didn't care if nobody saw it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like actors and they sort of go when you know, when I do movies I do one for them and one for me. It was a bit like that. But overall, Billy has a desire to succeed in the wrestling business. Um and I if he if, you know, I would never have got on board with him if I didn't feel that right from the beginning, talking to him, you know. Uh he called me and, well, first of all, I had talked to Dave Lagana and he had sort of just asked me flat out, like, why aren't you at WWE and what's going on with you? Like, you're, you're at your peak. Like, why aren't you doing anything? And I pretty much just said to him, I, I feel like I I spent my whole life learning how to be this great forum dancer and now everybody's break dancing, you know, like no one wants to see it. Meaning, like, I had sort of really dedicated my sort of study and my 10,000 hours to Storytelling and you know believable kind of dramatic athletic wrestling pro wrestling like and then sort of I turn around and everybody's doing running knees and spinny elbows and you know springboard who's it's and what's it's and I sort of go oh I don't do any of that like <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Um and that's and, and I just I didn't have any passion for that and when I was sort of explained this Dave kind of said well. Here's kind of what Billy's thinking for the NWA and blah blah blah, and I basically laid out what I you know saw or for how to, how to stand out with business and what I thought that we could do with the NBA. And right away, Billy called me back and was just like, "You and I are on the same page." You know, I think Billy's exact words were, uh, I, I'm, "I I think wrestling should be a variety show, but I'm kind of sick and tired of seeing guys who look like my next door neighbor do gymnastics with each other." <laughs> and I said, "Great." I'm picking up what you're putting down, you know what I mean? And uh, that's where we that's where we hit it off. And I had, I had, I'm I i a big boxing fan, so I had been um, really harping on this point that wrestling is, is too much volume, uh, there's too much uh, quantity and not enough quality when it comes to the presentation of one match, you know, importance. And I really emphasize that point of like, look, when you look at boxing, you know, like you sit there and HBO, who would, been, to me, the gold standard of, sports presentation. They'll dedicate an entire hour, you know, just to telling you about the story of how, you know, how we got to this one fight. By the time you got through that, like you can't miss it. You don't like, you You have to see how this plays out. You want to see this fight. And I said like, where is that? Where is that in wrestling? That's how I used to feel when I would get up at, you know, one o'clock in the morning to watch pay-per-views UK time. Because I had to see it live. I was like, I can't miss this. You know, I, I need to see how this plays out. You know, Right. Can cold, do it, you know, or like whatever, you know, <laughs> like I have to see it, you know, and that's, the again, that's sort of the melting of those philosophies was how the 10 Pounds of Gold series
0: was. Okay, so I've kept you here for a very long time, and I really appreciate all the time that you've given us this evening. But I've got two more questions, and I'm going to smash them into one sentence and see if we can uh, we can get an answer here. Because I think that everybody kind of thinks this, but I'm not sure if anyone asks you this. But I might be wrong. Maybe everyone asks you this. You're married to Mickey James. Mickey James is a WWE superstar, and you are you are an NWA superstar. So the, the the question is how how does that relationship work with with you both working in different companies, and how is that like? And also with her being so close with the WWE, how the fuck have you never been to the WWE? Like you have had to have gotten offers. Did you turn them down or what? Please explain this to me to finish yeah. this interview. Yeah. Well, first, first
5: off, I'll do the easy part. We obviously, when we first got together. We were both in TNA, and there are there are conveniences to that and inconveniences to it. So, obviously, from a, a personal sort of logistics standpoint, yes, you can travel together. You know, you could, and you, you don't, you'd be not missing each other as much because obviously we are spending a lot of time together. Um. But the inconvenience of that is it, you know, it does make you a little bit vulnerable from the sort of political side and does sort of, you know, can create other, um, you know, issues. Right. And like we, you know, we resisted for a long time doing create any creative together. For example. like I remember Russo wanted to do something right away and we were just like, no. And then Bruce wanted to do something as well. And both times I, I was the one who kind of put my foot down and said, like, Want to do that because she at that point she was so much more established than me that I need to establish myself and I can't I, I can't just sort of become known as that guy so um, you know so it, so there are pitfalls you know but, uh, but as of now with 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 her being uh, working for, for, for WWE and, and me doing I'm doing this is from a on a professional personal balance standpoint, this is the healthiest we've ever been because she loves what we're doing. Like, and by the way, so do a lot of the writers and stuff at WWE because they'll talk to her about it. They'll go, Oh my God. Yeah. So power is so great. But it's also because she can see how, how passionate I am about it. And she knows, she knows I genuinely wouldn't leave this to do anything else right now. Like I'm, I'm all in, you know what I mean? And, uh, so there isn't that sort of there isn't any kind of resentment or any sort of oh Betty wishes he was at WWE you know <laughs> like uh, she knows that deep down she knows I'm genuinely like where I'm Um and I think it's healthy because it's like you need you know you need a bit a bit of separation right like you know uh, and at this point it would be strange for, you know because if I was to go there for example despite having. Establish relationships with a lot of people who are now working there, and in terms of my own relationship with the company, I would be brand new, you know. So I would have to sort of start at the very bottom in terms of sort of uh, you know the dressing room, and 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 that's. I'm not saying that's a problem, but it's just it's different, you know, because Mickey obviously is so well respected and so well known there, and she's a Hall of Famer. She's gonna, she's going to the Hall of Fame one day. It's like you know, there's a lot. There's you talk about a whole minefield of. Potential bullshit, you know, to deal with. Like, you know, if 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 I get treated unfairly, oh, they're messing with her. Or if, you know, if I get treated too well, like, oh, you know, he's being given special treatment. You know, it's like you you, you can't win, right? Um, as as your other question about what you haven't been there at all. Uh, look, it's a sixty four thousand dollar question. Like, if I knew a hundred percent, like what the answer was, I would say I just do uh, I've had conversations with them over the years. Um, going back as far as, I think it was 2011 or 2012, whenever Ty Bailey was the, was the uh, talent scout or talent relations, whatever, because Ty Bailey was really, really wanted to get me. To, um, but then, you know, the, the, I talked to him again when, after Terry Taylor got there and it was a maybe, then a no, then a maybe, you know, it's like all changes. And then obviously now I think, you know, I think that, most people are aware that Bruce is obviously not my biggest fan, apparently. So it's kind of like, all right, all I can do is do my best to change your mind. But again, like I said, I have no desire to go anywhere. Now I'm fully invested in what I'm doing. It would be anyway. And uh, knowing what I know, which I wish I could share, but I cannot yet. Um, we're, even though we've been very inactive, it doesn't mean we haven't been doing anything. <laughs> we are on the cusp of being in so much a, a better position than we were even before COVID with, but you know, but we're just, we're not, you know, we just can't, as, we, once we're once everything, once we're ready to share all that, like we will, but just know that like I said, we're, we're on the cusp of being in a position that we would have taken, uh, if someone offered it to us like prior to COVID, but we would have been like, yeah, you know. well, So we've been putting the work in. It's just been you know, on. It's just not been in front of the camera. It's not been in front of. You know, it's not on Twitter. It's not been in front of people. You know, it's it's been grafting behind the scenes to 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 make some to make some big shit happen. So
3: yeah, people thought that the Beatles were done when it took so long to bring Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album out. Too right, right. Yeah. Somebody asked Paul right, right before Sergeant Pepper's dropped. Oh, are you guys done? You know, after Revolver, we haven't heard anything. It's been a long time since he released an
5: album. He's like, yeah,
3: it just, just wait. So, champ, we can't wait to see what's next for you and Billy and the National Wrestling Alliance. I hope that you guys get to take that show on the road. I hope that eventually you guys run in towns That would mean so much to so many of us, you know, to be able to see you out there in those old NWA territories. I know they're podunk, and I know that we don't have a great nightlife in these places. That's where we're going. But when when you guys come to town, you're it.
5: You're the show, you know. You you are the big entertainment, and it's come to our hometown. I mean, that's, and that's, that's what what we, what I appreciate and understand and is a necessary lifeblood of the industry. is like, you know, we, we want to be the, we'll happily be the, 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 brand that when we roll into town is the biggest thing happening in town that night. Like that's what we want. And, you know, we, we appreciate wrestling fans, you know, no matter where they are, if they're WA fans, like we're going to find a way to get in front of you and give you a night. You'll never forget. So like we're, we're all about that. Trust me. Like, we're, well, can but i can't wait to get to the end
0: of the you know listening to uh, to what Steve just said about how if you guys went on the road, it would mean so much to so many people, and what you were saying earlier about how there's a big chunk of the wrestling audience that is not watching wrestling because they don't feel like they have wrestling that they're that they like that they want. And, you know, I'm, I'm not just, uh, just the, ho- one of the hosts here at House of Kayfabe. but I'm actually a host of, uh, franchise with Shane Douglas as well. And I listened to Shane Douglas beat this point over and over and over, episode after episode after episode. And, and it, it's the same sentiment that, that you have for the NWA. It's, it's, it's something that is missing. And now yeah. we've got an opportunity to possibly get that missing chunk back. And it's super exciting, especially when you're telling me that there's shit you can't tell me. So now I'm going to be thinking about it all night long. What's Billy Corgan up to? Because I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, too. So I'm, I'm marking out he over the whole situation. You
3: counsel, Brian Reznor, that he needed to right. leave certain
0: things out. You got it? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, trust me. Stephen P. New will know
5: about it way before you, Brian.
0: Oh, thanks, Nick. I appreciate that. But you know what I do appreciate? I appreciate you coming on here. I appreciate you being here in our house, the house of kayfabe. And I am so glad... That you joined us today thank you so much mr aldis
5: uh, my pleasure i uh, obviously uh appreciate uh steven's counsel and uh and i appreciate uh, genuine red-blooded american wrestling fans so you know, that's what we, that's who we that's who we want to go after and that's who we appreciate and we want to we want to cultivate so i appreciate you guys having me
0: well that is definitely what we are here red-blooded wrestling fans and we're american as well so We will be back right here on House of Kayfabe. When it comes to your brand, your visual presence is so important. You can't just get anybody to take care of that for you. When you are trying to take your image to the next level, you need to contact Eli Brazil at Eli's Digital Concepts. Eli specializes in improving your look with cutting edge graphics that set you apart from the rest. He has done work for Franchise with Shane Douglas, House of Kayfabe, Dan Healy, RTW, and many more. Eli's Digital Concepts is your one stop shop for all types of graphic design, such as rebranding, photo manipulation, posters, logos, letterheads, t shirt designs, mock ups, and even AutoCAD work. You can catch Eli on Instagram at Eli's Digital Concepts, on Twitter at Eli's Concepts, on Facebook at Eli's Digital Concepts, or you can email him directly Eli's Digital Concepts at gmail.com. Eli's Digital Concepts, custom artwork you have to see to believe. The thoughts and opinions of Steve Barker do not reflect the thoughts and opinions of House of Fame Superior Radio Network, or any of our partners or advertisers.
8: I interrupt this Outlaw Macho podcast to bring you some actual entertainment, and this assignment was by far the easiest I've had during my short yet meteoric career as a wrestling podcaster. And for the marks in the back, I'm going to slow it down. Tony Tony come on! shut Shut the fuck up. up. Does anyone remember in the halcyon days of the beginning of this promotion when they claimed they would have a sports-based presentation and a promise from the money mark that he'd never be an on-screen character? Oh, it was so long ago. Uh, Two years to be exact. That's how long it took for your stupid ego to tell you that you needed to enrich our wrestling enjoyment with your coked-out allegedly rantings of false tough talk by a man who probably grew up with three maids and two nannies. And to be clear, this isn't a burial of the filthy rich because your dad's story is an inspirational one and proof that this country can be a great country, but you, Tony Khan, are everything that's wrong with rich kids being born on third base thinking they hit a triple. And that very attitude has led you to believe that you now need to cut promos. And they're sad and cringy and comes off exactly like what they are. The sad attempt of a small man trying to play with the big dogs. You're not entertaining. You're not good at it. You're not making an angle better. You're just making Skivini uncomfortable along with the rest of us. And, oh yeah, and please explain to me what the fuck does the forbidden door even mean? I think it sounds like a sleazy 70s porno. Actually, you kind of look like the guy in the 70s sleazy porno that doesn't actually participate in the festivities, just watching in the corner all creepy-like. So, little Tony, put the straw down, get a haircut, quit reading The Wrestling Observer. Go back and watch the tapes from the golden ages of wrestling and figure out how to serve your roster better as a booker. In short, shut the forbidden door and shut your mouth. And
4: I... Everything about you. Everything about
0: you. Welcome back to the House of Kayfabe. And man, we just had the World Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldous on the show. And it made me want to have a conversation. So I brought in my, my favorite guys in the world Matt Mullins, Rich Quick, Stephen P. New, and Barker. And what I want to talk about right now is since we just talked to the champ, what do you guys think about a path forward? And I'm talking about a path forward for the NWA. All of us want to see it succeed. All of us want that in the wrestling world way more than it is right now. Steven P. New, what can the NWA do to get on a level with the other companies that have national exposure?
3: There are a lot of different ways But I think first and foremost, they're going to have to get on some type of a broadcast network, on on something that's on cable or something. While I appreciate the streaming services, I appreciate the YouTubes, the BNs, all of that kind of stuff, I still think that they reach most wrestling fans on one of these 57,000 channels that are on just even basic cable right now. I don't know who that is, but I think that's the best thing that could happen for the N.W.A. Um, And then I've also shared uh, on other segments on this show a method of reestablishing territories. I think the N.W.A. at some point is going to need a feeder system. I don't know if they're just plucking folks off of the Indies right now to round out shows but if they had some type of a something of a, of a regional basis uh, and their world champion wouldn't have to wrestle the way that Flair did in the 80s at, you know, eight 60-minute matches a, a week. But if there was some way where you could get Aldis around to those different territories and then you've got some type of a regional champion there and some type of uh, – either a baby face or a heel, depending on whatever all this is, feuding in that territory, I think I think that would help the NWA. And, and you wouldn't even necessarily need national television at that point. You could even have something regional to that territory um, network, uh, and it would work. That, that's why I've never understood why Ring of Honor isn't more successful when a freaking media company – with a gazillion outlets, owns Ring of Honor, they can't seem to get it over.
0: Rich, quick, what is your path forward for the NWA if uh, if they're going to compete on the national level with the WWE, AEW, and and even impact an MLW?
7: Uh, well, the short answer to that is they're not going to compete with WWE or AEW, or, or really even impact at this moment. I agree with, with Stephen P. New uh, on the fact that I like the idea of territories. And they don't have to have a lot. And like you said, like, there could be like one like in the Southeast and one in Texas. Get on the local TV. Have your national champion be the Texas guy. Put it on Jax Dane, for example. He, he lives in Texas. He he can do the shows out there. Then once in a while, Nick Aldis can come out there. Jack Stein came out here. That would be fine. Uh, I'm thinking more short term um, for NWA moving forward out of the pandemic, and it's that I would honestly go back to where they were at before they stopped because I really enjoyed NWA because they had this really underground underground feel where. All they were like, they had really, really great people like Eli Drake, gone. Absolute Ricky Starks. He's a superstar. He's gone. So they can get good people and they could take the people that job every week on, on AEW dark, somebody like Dylan McQueen. And he could be a star in the NWA. Jason Kincaid could be a star in the NWA. NWA is the feeder system to the other things. Now, the feeder system to NWA is, no offense, Resner. it's an SCW show. You know what I mean? Right. But, so it's a, it, it, it's a local thing. But it would be better NWA, if that
0: feeder system was, was put together in a more organized fashion to where it actually worked for everyone.
7: Well, yeah. I mean, as long as, you know, the other companies aren't allowed to scoop up Billy Corgan's people, but also you don't want to get locked into a long-term deal with NWA, When AEW goes, hey, look, I know you got five years left, but I mean, but but anyway, I thought they were doing a really good job of building their audience from a small level, from from the ground up. And they did a really good job of building from the ground up. And then everything went to shit. They couldn't record NWA power was gone. And so it kind of got put on hold. But I believe that people would jump back on board. Once everything is ready to get going and they can still get good people and build new stars. Cause I think that's where the NWA is right now is building future stars that will go on like Ricky Starks and give somebody like it's become kind of like ring of honor where like, Oh guys would go to ring of honor and then work out a little bit. And then they get brought up to someplace else. Well, Eli Drake should have been a superstar, but he was the NWA. Next thing you know, La night, you know. <laughs> that aside, but uh, but I think they could just keep what they're doing. They don't. They don't. I don't think Billy Corgan has any aspirations to rival Vince McMahon or Tony Khan. He just wants to put on. He's like the good version of Tony Khan. He doesn't have he as is. much money, but he's like I'm going to put on wrestling that I like. And if you like it, cool. Uh, <laughs> right. If you don't, it's I'm not out that much. Yeah, you know. So exactly. he just loves wrestling. Yeah, Matt
0: Mullins, so keep doing what you're doing. Matt Mullins, what is your path forward for the NWA to get it on on some type of level to where it matters? You mean what's causing all this? What Nick causing <laughs> all this? Uh,
9: uh, so I'm going to do a little dream dream booking scenario uh, because NWA Power has that look of that classic NWA 70s programming. All right, so think about what, what we've got going on here now. We've got the Peacock ne- Network with the WWE, and we've got uh, AEW that you can get with Hulu Plus or whatever. What if NWA signs with Netflix as their first wrestling promotion? And then, then you have like streaming services kind of serving as a territory scenario. I think that that would be a really cool thing. Plus Netflix had great success with the, the glow show and glow was set up in that classic retro style. So I think it would fit and it could be presented that way. So that's, that's what I would like to see. Like, I think that they need more exposure and, and Stephen P was right with a, some kind of uh, television deal, but I think that Netflix would work very well.
0: I I would agree with that. 100%. You could combine
3: that Netflix for your national show that that's got your world champion on it, your United States champion, and things like that. And then if you've got those regions, those territories, like we were talking about, like a Mid Atlantic region and a Florida region and a Georgia and a Midwestern region, and and that kind of thing, man, uh, let those guys get their local television. You know, and hey, you need to work. That, that's part of remember, that you come up with a million bucks, or half a million bucks, or a quarter of a million bucks, whatever. And the NWA is going to hold it. Well, part of that also includes your ability to to uh, get some type of a television deal, where you could even on your Netflix show, Matt, uh, you could take kind of a best of those regional television yeah 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 and 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 you could have a you could have a main show on netflix one one or two hour main show on netflix you could also do another one hour of a dare i say it all american wrestling you know this is nwa all american and this is the best from our territories last week
0: yeah that's yeah. uh that that's uh true very very true uh, mr barker what, uh, what is your path forward for the NWA? Where do you think this is going or where do you think this could go? Where's the potential?
8: Uh, man, I, I'm going to fall somewhere in between the rest of these cats. Stephen P. knew we're territory cats. I just think that that territory thing is never going to be possible again. It's just we there's just just not enough.
3: I I
8: think it's a pipe dream because I just don't (laughs) think that there's enough customers. There's not enough market for it. Right. The territories existed before the Internet. And before uh, everything that you can do in the world, right? Even musicians are seeing a downturn because back in the 80s, you couldn't just sit at the house and fucking uh, go through YouTube for four hours. You had to go find entertainment, right? So, unfortunately, that's not a thing I think it happened. What I think it happened that would be close to what you're talking about is them having working relationships with the indies. Right. So, you know, we always talk about ASW as our indie. Right. So like if NWA could be like, we're going to give you a talent every time you have a show and, you know, ASW, even before the pandemic, was it doing how many shows would you say ASW is doing a year? Six or seven. Right. So, you know, all your six or seven. Every couple months. You know, uh, you know, every third show will give you Nick Aldis, right? So that would kind of be your territory, right? You go find, you know, the good indie in Florida. You know, y'all were talking about the other day there's a thousand, right? Find those indies that that are not mud shows and then get a relationship with them. And that would kind of give you your territory feel. What what Rich is talking about is exactly right. There's no possible way for NWA to get even close to AEW, right? That's just not going to happen. And here's the thing that fucked them in my estimation, is before the pandemic, they were getting fantastic YouTube engagement, they had millions of views, and that's not an easy thing to do. And then they whatever happened and they deleted their YouTube. And man, perception is reality. Before you went on YouTube, and I wish I would have known their numbers, you could get on Social Blade and find out, but they had tens of thousands, maybe even a hundred thousand subs. And if you'd go to their about page, it would be like they have 10, 12, 15 million views. When people look at that, they say, oh, this is something. This is something that's going on here. Other people are watching it. That's how YouTube works. Matt Mullins, that Netflix thing, that's a genius idea. But I just don't think that anything that looks that, uh, what's a good word for it, that looks that... Vintage? Vintage, right? You know, that rustic, maybe? is ever going to make it on Netflix. Unfortunately, I think the best thing that NWA can hope for is first pray to God that Nick Alderson never leaves because if he leaves, I think the whole thing falls apart. In my opinion, I think the best they can go for and and check it out, fellas, a Southern version of pro wrestling gorilla. You know, this thing that is like an underground, you either know it or you don't and they get a rabid fucking fan base and it has to be from YouTube.
0: You know, that's that that, you really did a great segue into this next part that I want to talk about, which is the roster. You talk about Nick Aldis, you say Nick Aldis leaves, the whole thing falls apart. Well, let's let's look into this a little bit. And I know we always talk about AEW having this giant roster they don't use and WWE having this giant roster they don't use this is kind of like the opposite this is a very small roster and i believe looking at this roster that you are 100 percent right nick all this is the cream of the crop here by any means i can't even see anybody who could even take this belt off of him aaron stevens no which i love are, him uh, aaron stevens is great um chris adonis which is uh chris masters of course you got crimson you got fred rosser Uh, I'm not sure who Fred Rosser is. Who's that? Not familiar. Darren Young. Darren Young. Oh, that's Darren Young. Okay. So Darren Young. Hey, you big dummy. You got Homicide. You got Homicide, (laughs) which I've always been a fan of Homicide, but he's got to be, you know, he's got to be. My age? Yeah, he's got to be at least, you know, at least 45 years old. I'm guessing. Jax Dane. You got Jordan Clearwater. You've got um, J.R. Kratos. You got Kratos. Marsh Rocket, you got Matt Cross, you got Matthew Mims, Mike Perro, Odinson, Sal Renaro, Slice Boogie. <laughs> Are Tim, there question marks at the end of these names? Tim Storm. <laughs> uh, no question mark passed away a few months ago. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, rest oh, in peace. Tim Storm, the Pope, Tom Latimer, uh, Latimer uh, Trevor Murdoch. Latimer. Yeah, Latimer. Tre- I like Trevor Murdoch. I think he's i think he's awesome trevor yeah. murdoch and tyrus damn man that
8: is a thin and roster I, whoa whoa
0: whoa! I, I was wrong homicide's not 45 he is 44 for um, my age a few more months so um it, that's not really the kind of roster that uh, that you can be on a level so maybe you guys are right maybe maybe this uh and I'm not sure if that's the kind of roster that'll get you on Netflix, even though Netflix will give anybody a fucking show. I was going to say, I, I'm not sure if I agree with Steve or with Mr. Barker that uh, there is a uh, no chance in hell that they could be on Netflix because, Jesus Christ, they give anybody a fucking Netflix show. But uh, now that I think about this roster, I'm not sure if this roster could get uh, get on Netflix. Who is the second biggest star? I guess Tyrus because he's been on Fox News. I, I'm not that's sure. Ms. Dow. I mean, yeah. Is 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 Ms. Dow? Uh, I mean, is Ms. Dow more more famous than Tyrus? But you can't tell me that Trevor Murdoch isn't the
9: current day Stan Hansen.
8: Oh well, yeah, but but we're we're the marks that would love him. We're Southern yeah. wrestling marks. He's going to go to New star, York City and be a jobber. Well, the real star
7: is Camille. Camille, <laughs> Camille. she looks, looks like Alex a million lady. bucks.
8: Ooh, yeah, boy, she does. Yes, she does. What's the female roster? You got... Well,
7: they uh, have, like, Serena Deeb. They have
8: uh, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa is awesome.
0: Yeah, Serena Deeb, Thunder Rosa, Taryn, Terrell, uh, Malina, mm-hmm. Malina. Malina's over there. And then mm-hmm. you got Genocide, Camille, and uh, Alex uh, Gracia. I mean, the thing is... Velvet Sky's on commentary. That's kind of cool, I guess. It,
9: as long as they can get like the product rolling again, they they will have access to a bigger roster because there's so much unused talent that's like
0: everywhere. Yeah, I think that well you just have to get it rolling. The NWA could really benefit with a relationship like Impact has with AEW and AEW could benefit from that relationship as well by getting those guys that aren't getting any TV time on uh you know in the ring. Getting some ring time for those guys because, you know, you've, you've got so many, why not give the NWA a little bit to use? And then you could use Nick Aldis for a couple of shows. Cause that's all you're Doesn't going to mean, fucking all do that back lose. in the
3: Territories all the time where one territory would trade out, you know, their bookers would trade out four or five, six guys for three to six months and say, Hey, I'm going to send, you know, whoever, Hax Ricky Haxon, Martin, Haxon, Martin Haxon. to
7: Memphis from like it, Louisiana. is yeah. you know,
3: Trade those guys out. They can do that, Reznor, real easily with recent graduates of the Nightmare Factory. Uh, you know, are you telling me that, that it wouldn't be better for Billy Gunn's sons to be even a job team on the NWA as it would be
0: standing there on the guardrail, that dynamite you know, occasionally getting a dark match, or with this roster, why not putting the tag titles on Billy Gunn's sons? At least he have, they have some type of name recognition there. I, I don't care, right, you know. Exactly, I, I, but
3: for the benefit of those boys, more ring time in the NWA um, is vastly better for them.
0: Yeah, it one hundred percent is. We, that, I think, and, that and you're talking about idea.
3: recent cuts from um, WWE. We we had that as a segment that we talked about. Think about that. You add Mickey James to that women's roster, and then you add a Bo Dallas or uh, the Hennig kid. Um, Some of those guys, I think you immediately start to get, you could add some star power to that roster with just some
8: recent year cuts from WWE. Here's something that I'm worried about. I believe that we are in a bear market for wrestling, and I think that there might be just too much wrestling. Unfortunately, I think there might—I think the market is over is is oversaturated. Unfortunately, and that and man, NWA would have to be the first victim of this bear market because now MLW is fucking sign with WWE that immediately elevates them above NWA. And unfortunately the NWA is a another victim of this fucking pandemic cuz I think that they were doing really well before then. I can remember cuz I really watched it hard when of course Jim Cornette was the uh, announcer. They were getting 150,000, 200,000 views. That's significant for a thing that's coming from nothing to something and I'm just man I'm afraid this bear market is going to be a man and it sucks because we have him on the show today and we all love him we fucking love Nick Aldis and it's a bummer that I just don't know if there's enough fans to support all this wrestling what do you think Reznor
0: I think that there there could be uh, and and there, there could be enough fans to to support all this I know I want to support all this um, and I'm you know, I'm a fan, just like everybody else. I
9: think the issue is the
0: saturation of wrestling is
9: shitty storyline wrestling, and that, and so if we had something uh, that, I mean, the of We all agreed that the N.W.A. is probably the best story storyline and setup for all of us, and we're all marks. So I think that I don't know. I don't. I don't think that it's ne- necessarily saturated with good wrestling.
8: Well, what we would really need is for in, for like the WWE to get red fucking hot like the Attitude Era, and then there would be some trickle down. Yeah, because during the Attitude Era, man, yeah, there was goddamn Indies running fucking everywhere, and anybody
0: sure. could run a show anywhere and just do well. Everybody was doing well at that
8: time. So this so. really comes down to somebody at the top getting super hot, and it would help these smaller organizations.
0: That is true and we hope for a path forward for the NWA that is what we want here at the House of Cape Babe and we will be I right. have an idea. Oh,
7: you've got an idea. You have got an idea I before we. I have an we... idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What's it's, your what's your idea? It's very quick. All right, here we go. So, the NWA Nick Aldis former relationship with TNA Impact and they and Nick Aldis pulls a Shane Douglas and he goes in and he fights Kenny Omega. but Kenny Omega wants a challenger the impact title, because he's going back to, to AEW. Out comes Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis beats his ass. He holds up the impact title. He holds up the NWA title, and he throws down the impact title and holds up the NWA title and walks out of the building. Then they have a tournament. They can get back to, to, to whatever impact is going to do. Nick Aldis goes away as a man. It.
0: Okay, so how does that help Impact at all? What's weird? How care. do you sell that <laughs> no, to don't Impact? Care.
8: Fuck Impact. Fuck it back. How do you sell <laughs> that, that, one that to How is that place still alive? How is that play still alive? And then you can
7: have Heath come back and win the tournament and win the championship. How about that? Uh, I mean, love I, I, I love That's all that. Helps
0: that's how it helps Impact. I, I I love all that, but I don't see anybody being able to convince Impact that this is the right move. Let's do this.
8: Yeah, let's just shit let's, all over your hey,
0: world I, championship. I, I, I think shitting over your world championship is probably the best thing we can do. Don't you remember when Shane <laughs> Douglas did that to us and we just went through the moon? Oh, wait. Well, dude, no, they, we didn't. They, already, they,
8: did shit, they did shit on TNT or Impact because uh, Omega wasn't wearing that belt as fucking Stooge was. Yeah, like, we did. Do you want to fucking really shit on somebody? Here's Naka knocka. What's that motherfucker's name?
0: <laughs> knockin' <Naka, laughs> nobody is what Pimply B- <laughs> Ray called him. But knockin' uh, nobody's wearing his fucking belt. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not a good look. We'll be right back here on the House of Fame. The next
2: big thing. <clears throat> Welcome to the next big thing. My name is Derek Jones. And yes, I am the only Derek Jones that matters. And I say that each and every time I step in front of a mic, and there's one reason for it because it's the truth. And when it comes to the truth, this is where you're going to find it here on the next big thing. So today we're gonna talk about, I would say an up-and-comer he has been around for a hot minute, but not long enough to really catch anyone's attention just yet. Unless you are a diehard fan like I am and you watch every single bit of content you can stick your face in. So here is the real next big thing. I've cut a lot of these and I'll probably cut a lot more, but I'm telling you today, If you made me pick one up-and-coming star from any promotion, from any independent scene, from anywhere in the world, this man, he would lead my ship. If I developed my own wrestling promotion today, this would be my moneymaker. This would be the guy that I would put at the helm to drive us through each and every wall that people would put in front of us. And by God, I'm telling you, when I say drive through a wall, this man could probably run through a literal wall. He is a six-foot to 285-pound Samoan from the Inouye family. And yes, I am talking about the one, the only, Jacob Fatu. So Jacob Fatu, he's a third-generation superstar in the making. So third-generation puts him in line in that same family with Jimmy and Jey Uso. Man, they're doing pretty well for themselves. He is the son of Tonga Kid. And I think deep in my soul that given the right opportunity, he would truly be the biggest star to ever come out of that family. Bigger than The Rock, bigger than Rikishi, bigger than all of them, if you give him the right opportunity. and Man, he's making the best of his opportunities right now in MLW. He made his debut in MLW in 2019. Prior to that, he was running up and down, busting his butt, paying his dues on the Indies jumped into MLW, he's there. He's there for such a short period of time, such a short period of time, and they see the star power in him. In 2019, July, he defeats Tom Waller to become the MLW World Champion. That puts him at over 650 days as their world champion. And I could be wrong on this, but that's probably the longest reigning world champion, active world champion in MLW right now. So when he arrived on the scene at MLW, they put him in a nice little group called Contra Unit. It's a fantastic heel faction with Simon Gotch, Joseph Semiel, Mads Kruger, Davari, and Jacob Vatu. The Samoan Werewolf. He has such an intimidating presence about him. It's ridiculous. I'm telling you guys, he is going to be the biggest thing to come out of professional wrestling once given the opportunity. I'm saying it right now. Joseph Fatu is the next big thing in professional wrestling and it doesn't matter if he breaks out this year or five or 10 years from now, whenever that MLW contract ends, fact of the matter is Fatu is destined to succeed. It is extremely rare for a wrestler to be the complete package, the look, the physique, the abilities, the promos, and even just his general personality makes it for an all-in-one package. And I'm, I'm just, I'm mind blown every time that I watch this guy in rank. completely mind blown. He is determined and destined to succeed, whether it be with MLW, WWE, AEW, or anybody else that wants to put him on the marquee, he is money as he walks through the curtain. Money is to be made. And that is what makes the difference between an everyday average guy and the next big thing. Can they make money? This guy right here, I'm telling you, He's gonna be a big money player for a big money company. War championships will come to him over the next five to 10 years. The Samoan Werewolf will continue to build his name so that when he does move on from MLW, the next promotion will know exactly how hot of a commodity they have. And for his opponent's sake, it's best to hope he doesn't catch you on a full moon because he is a Samoan Werewolf. Jacob r and I, I am Derek Jones. This has been the next big thing. You can catch me on Twitter at Hill, and right here in the house of K-Fame.
1: Ain't no business transaction. You coming to Shire right To my territory, my jungle, my goddamn kingdom. We'll your unit. Hell, just
0: Wow, Steve, we just did our second world championship podcast. House of K-Fabe with Nick Aldis, part two, and we've come to a close. There's nothing more to say. There's nothing more to do. There's nothing more to ask, and Nick's not even here anymore. He already pulled out in his Ferrari. Uh, Steve knew. Man, what an interview. That's, that's awesome.
3: I'm telling you, that is absolutely top-shelf Pro Wrestling Podcasting right there, Brian. So proud to know and have a relationship with the NWA World Champion, Nick Aldis. He is top shelf. And like I said, absolutely stands up there with, with all the all-time greats. And just like he said, he's not done by a long shot. There, There's still a lot of gas in the tank for Nick Aldis. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for him.
0: Well, now we got to talk about what the future holds for us because the next episode is really going to be different. It is the special Inside Edition interview with Pelli Primo. And Pelly Primo, if you remember, he was sued by Joey Ryan and he was sued for defamation of character because he, and he was the only guy sued, correct? The rest of them were females that were sued.
6: That's correct. He
0: was the only male that was sued by Joey Ryan when all the uh, sexual allegations came out and all these people said things about Joey Ryan, and then Joey Ryan sued them all. Joey took one of them to court and lost, and then other ones started getting thrown out. So then he dropped charges on everybody, and Peli Primo got his charges dropped, and he comes on the House of Kayfabe for a special Inside Edition. We're doing an hour uh, and we're going to talk about this in the whole situation. And you just happen to be Peli Primo's lawyer through this entire thing. This interview, even though, you know, and I'm not saying everybody knows who Peli Primo is. There's probably plenty of people that are like, who the fuck's Peli Primo? Well, you might not know who Peli Primo is, but this interview and the things he talk about, talks about in this interview, you are going to know these people. You're going to know what, what this whole situation is about. And this interview is good.
3: It's really good if I say so myself, Brian. And I think what a lot of the listeners may enjoy is you got to peek behind the curtain into my world. Yeah, you know, that was I'm a great kinda, thing. I was just kind of sitting at home uh, one Sunday afternoon last fall, and I get a Twitter message from this guy that I don't know from Adam, named Pelly Primo, saying, "Hey." I know that you're Cornet's lawyer. I know you you help a lot of folks in the business. You sponsor a lot of stuff. Uh do you mind if I call you up and talk about my situation with you? Uh and he called one day. We had a nice conversation. And from there, he said, You're really the guy with the knowledge of the business. I've got a California lawyer, but you're the guy with the knowledge of the wrestling business that I want taking on Joey Ryan out in California. And I'm like, heck yeah. Yeah. Let let me get temporarily admitted out there. And I'd love nothing more. And I I had all these visions in my mind of being able to depose Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes and the young bucks and all the people from pro wrestling gorilla. Right. And, uh, and all these other folks that Joey Ryan said, uh, Pelly Primo had cost him $25 million. And, um, and all these you know shows and all these bookings in the wrestling industry so it's going to get really interesting uh, but better for Pelly that it got cut short.
0: Yeah, for sure, that was definitely a good thing for him. But this story is juicy, and you know, th- this interview may just drag him back out in court, and you might have to, uh, you might have to represent him again and, and call all those people to the stand. Who knows? I
3: think the Twitter sniping is calming down there just a little bit. You know, there there was some of this um, manhood measuring going on, like you know, well, why didn't Stephen P. New bring Harvey Weinstein type? lawsuit allegations against me. Joey Ryan actually tweeted that at me. And I'm like, buddy, if I sue you, all I'm going to get is practice. You know, it's not like I'm going to get any money out of you. So, right. um,
0: especially yeah. not now but, since, uh, Peli Prima ruined his, uh, financial institution. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he didn't
3: see he the, the, he lost the lawsuit in California. We got it transferred back to Pennsylvania and, you know, he dismissed that. Albeit without prejudice, which means that within a certain period of time, he could bring that back up. So uh, anyway, it's a great behind the scenes look at what went on here with this speaking out movement that came out and, uh, you know, really shook up the the wrestling world in June 2020. When all of these people came out and said, these people and, and this person and this person held me back or wanted me to trade favors for, you know, a spot on a wrestling show that that really shook up the wrestling industry.
0: Well, it it did. And, and you know what, I can, I can honestly say the entire time there was all kinds of information coming out and people were saying different things And, and Peli Primo was putting out a lot of information about Joey Ryan, about what happened with the situation. But I'll tell you during that entire time, months of information exchanging hands, I did not learn as much as I learned from this interview. There is more information about this situation in this interview with House of Kayfabe, the special inside edition with Pelé Primo than you are going to see anywhere else. So it's uh it, it's it's going to be definitely worth a listen and it is coming up on the next episode the special inside edition of House of Kayfabe with Pelly Primo. All right, Steve. Well, our time here is through. If you've got a message for the fans right now would be the time to give it to them. Fans
3: once again, share us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever social media you're on. We want lots and lots and lots of residents of the House of Kayfabe. Stay tuned for more special offers on merch appearances, uh, We want to grow, that, add family members to the House of Kayfabe, Brian Reznor.
0: And do not forget to get your WrestleCade tickets early because the House of Kayfabe will be at WrestleCade this year, and we are bringing Heath Slater with us. Not Heath Slater, sorry. It's just Heath, but it used to be Heath Slater, and now it's Heath, and he's going to be with us at the House of k-fabe table right there at Wrestlecade, which is going to be another great big thing. And you know, Steve, I know that you're tired of having two full rooms in your house full of House k-fabe T-shirts, so we've got to give some of those T-shirts away, or else uh, you know, Steve's wife may throw them all out into the road, and that's not yeah, what we, we want to start happen. moving some merch here, Brian. So, and, and when we're talking. About about moving merch we're not even really talking about selling it we're talking about giving it to you for sharing the message of the house of k-fabe so make sure you share our posts make sure you invite people to like the page invite people to join the residence group whatever you do anytime you do something for us you are entered into a contest for a chance to win a t-shirt so make sure you do that all the time and we will start sending shirts out very soon because steve has many of them in his den too many of them too many of them. We got got to get like those old
3: TV commercials in the severed.
0: Everything's gotta go. (laughs) You will see us again very soon. We'll be back with the House of Kayfabe. House of Kayfabe.
8: Nick Ooh. Aldis is a Partheny Brown. If I ever saw one, there, there you go. Ones. There it is, uh,
9: with the Parthini with a dip.
8: Yep,
3: <laughs> he's the best. I'm, I'm telling you, he's the, the best. And I love him so much. Just super smart, super great. Ten pounds of gold on him is, is money. I'm telling you. Oh yeah.
0: been a product of Superior Radio Network.